Good morning, everyone. Welcome. My name is Kenton Bryce. Uh, my wife, Ashley, and I have been members of this church for about five or six years. And um, I had the great honor of uh, preaching back in August, and then Jeremy asked me if I would be interested again in the new year. And I said, absolutely, I would love to. Um, so anytime I like to get up in front of a group of believers in the church, I want to start with prayer. And so if you could, just pray with me, and uh, then we'll get started. Uh, Father God, we love you. I pray for this morning and for the next few moments that you have provided for us. Reveal yourself to us through your word. Reveal what you have desire for our lives, what you desire for our lives. I pray that you would speak to us today. If there's anything that comes out of my mouth, any words, sayings, anything that is not from you, I pray that it would be quickly forgotten. I pray that if you would have a word for us this morning, that those words would be quickly remembered to edify, correct, and encourage your church this morning. Lord, use me this morning to speak to your church. We desire to know you, your ways, and how you designed our lives to live for you. In your son Jesus Christ's name, amen. Well, great. Good morning, everyone. So uh, I'm not sure um, what our collective thoughts are on New Year's resolutions, uh, but I thought this would be appropriate since we are now nine days into the new year. Um, if you would ask me over the past 10 to 15 years about New Year's resolutions, uh, you probably would have heard a lot of negativity come out of my mouth. Is anybody else like that? Anybody think New Year's resolutions? Yeah, there we go. Okay, yeah, I see a few. Uh, generally, if we would have had a conversation, there would have been a lot of disdain about New Year's resolutions. You would have heard words like arbitrary, artificial, uh, for the lawyers in the room, capricious, right? Um, I would have found uh, most New Year's resolutions and the New Year in general as a marker for resolutions to be completely useless. Now, instead of um, thinking Probably in a better way about New Year's resolutions, I, I just had this thought in my mind for the past 10 to 15 years that for something to actually be authentic, for a New Year's resolution to actually be authentic, it can't happen at New Year's. It has to be spontaneous, right? I had been equating authenticity with spontaneity for the past 10 to 15 years. Um, and I'm not alone in this, but... Over the past few months, I feel like the Lord's really worked on me, and this is what I wanted to talk about today, is about how we can recapture New Year's and resolutions like this as natural rhythms that the Lord has provided for us to reconnect with Him, all right? Because in my mind, for the past 10 to 15 years, uh, for anything to be authentic, it must just happen, right? Um, I bristled against the idea that change, or, or better put, authentic change, could happen out of some rhythmic rotation of the earth, right? Instead, I was like, well, it has to be spontaneous, either some, either some spontaneous thought in my mind or some spontaneous event external to me would cause me to have to change. And what I think the Lord has for us through Scripture and through the way He's created the world is something completely different. Uh, but you know what? I'm not alone in my thinking, I have found. Uh, so there's a few things that happened in the past few months that I listened to, read, that just revealed that this idea that authenticity comes only with spontaneous events is actually something seeped into our culture. And it's not something that just came to me generally. It was something that's here. Um, 
in the Wednesday Conversation, which is a great podcast if you need to listen to it, they were talking about this book that came out a few years ago based on uh, liturgies of the Reformation uh, and talking about the liturgies that John Calvin wrote or liturgies that John Stott wrote or liturgies that Martin Luther wrote. And as they're talking about this book, they talked about these books of common prayer that the church would write or a locale would write for their church or, or, or pastors would write for their body. And then they had this remark, it's like, do you even imagine we would actually think that that would be authentic in this day and age, right? Don't we think that prayer to be actual, actually authentic should be spontaneous, right? The spirit-led prayer. And it just it made me think about this, like books of common prayer. We just don't use them that much anymore. Um, and why? Why? Well, I think uh, Tony Robbins probably gives us a good clue why. Anybody know who Tom, Tony Robbins is? Tony Robbins, big guy, motivational speaker. Been in a few movies, uh, pretty famous um, acclaimed life coach. Uh, and so in a 2016 HuffPost article, yes, I'm quoting HuffPost in a sermon, you're welcome. Uh, he, he was, it was detailing a conversation that he had with Oprah on her show about uh, Super Soul Sundays, I think is the name of that uh, episode. And he was asked, um, how do we become our most authentic self? And his response was the number one rule uh, for authenticity, be, authenticity is to be more spontaneous. He said, it's allowing yourself to be spontaneous instead of responding to how you think you're supposed to be. Uh, you define not only by who you think you are, but who you're not. And those definitions were usually made 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And we rarely upgrade our definitions of ourselves unless we have an abrupt experience that makes us reevaluate our lives. And for what he says, the most important decision in trying to change is to start asking yourself questions. Who am I? And then to spontaneously just try things. That's what his advice was. He was, I think the most important decision is saying, I'm going to enjoy this moment right now. It's the only thing I have that's real and life's too short. That was Tony Robbins' advice for how to be your most authentic self. And so it's pervasive in our culture. No wonder why it felt like this. So... Uh, before I move on, I want to I give a shout out to my wife. And so she's in kids, so she's not going to hear this for a while. Um, so um, in 2012, my wife and I got to go to Paris. And this is how pervasive this thought process was in my mind of that anything that's planned or rhythmic could not be authentic. We, we were planning to go to Paris, and she, um, as a very wise woman, had gathered resources and books and knowledge from people that already have been experienced in Paris, namely Rick Steves and his writing staff. So if you ever go to Paris, please, please pick up Rick Steves' guide on Paris. It's amazing. But she had gone through this book and detailed, planned our trip to Paris over the next seven days at Christmas time. And I bristled at this notion. In my mind, to have an authentically joyous trip... You step off the plane, you step on the Champs-Élysées, and immediately magic happens. Is that real? No, absolutely not. Thank God for my wife, because we had an amazing trip. We had a wonderful trip. If it were up to me, we would have gotten off the plane, grabbed a cab, and then spontaneously found the best hotel and the best restaurants possible. It's a ridiculous notion, right? But that's how pervasive this was in my mind. It created tension between us. And uh, I've since asked her for forgiveness for that. <laughs> it's true. Um, 
But spontaneity does not equal authenticity in God's plan. It does not. All right? It does not. Instead, and this is what I want to talk about today, is God has ordained rhythms in creation and for his people for us to remember and to hope in him and his glory. Right? He has established rhythms for us. Rhythms, what I would call rhythms of renewal, that renew us into his image for his glory and for our good. And I want to talk about this in three ways. And I promise you the rest of the sermon is not going to be um, as long or indicative as uh, what my intro was, right? That was like nine minutes. So I promise I'm not going for 45, 30, uh, maybe like 30 minutes, but we'll see. We'll see. I don't know. How many law students do we have in the room? We could go for like two hours, right? I'm just kidding. Yeah, there we go, Luke. I see it back there. All right. Um, And I can't see anybody else, by the way. So sorry if I didn't see you. Okay, God, so first, God has ordained rhythms of renewal in creation. Second, God has ordained rhythms of renewal for his people. And third, God has ordained rhythms of renewal for our hope and transformation in the current age. So first, this idea of God ordaining rhythms of renewal and creation. I want to go first uh, to the creation narrative. I love the creation narrative. Um, And because it's the new year, and I've committed with some men to read through the Bible, of course, I just read this, right? And so um, you start at the beginning. But Genesis 1, 14 through 15 says this, And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. Why did God put the sun and the moon and the stars in the sky to divide up night and day, right? So we would live in some sort of rhythm of life, right? And let them be for signs and for seasons. These are set up in a certain rhythmic pattern for us, right? Creation's been set up in this rhythmic pattern, and we see this. Uh, I love it when... um, I'm a nerd. I'm just, I'm outing myself all the time about this, but I listen to the most crazy podcast. So I listened to one about ants. It was a two-parter. Anybody listen to How Stuff Works or How Stuff Works? Anybody? Yeah, I got a few. Okay. Two-parter on ants. It's amazing. Ants are amazing creatures, right? God has made ants as this amazing creature. Oh my gosh, they're crazy. But you know what? They follow a rhythm. They follow a rhythm. So does most every or every other thing in creation. Same with us. We have rhythms of renewal in our daily waking and sleeping. Now, science would call it the circadian rhythm. You guys heard that circadian rhythm? Yeah, that's what this is. Our bodies were created to respond to the rhythm of night and day that God established in Genesis 1. This is what is called our circadian rhythm, which exists in the agriculture, animals, ants, everything is this rhythmic pattern of day and night. And that exists so that we can be renewed every day. Uh, Dr. Michael Rossman, he's a psychologist and farm, they say farm resident, farmer in Iowa. Uh, He says this in an article about circadian rhythms in agriculture and humans' ability to actually farm in modern day. And he goes, although generally... Oversimplified, humans normally experience lower production of excitatory chemicals, chiefly adrenaline, in the early morning around 4 a.m., which gradually build to a peak around 4 p.m. and subside thereafter. Melatonin and cortisol, which slow human metabolism, usually peak during the wee hours of the morning and subside to their lowest point around 4 p.m. 
Uh, and you guys remember those commercials from Five Hour Energy talking about the 3 p.m. like lull and just take this little shot of drink? We continually try to escape what God has given us as a healthy rhythm, I promise you. Um, I do it too. I've worked long hours as well. But our bodies are attuned to the rhythms that God has presented so that we may be renewed. And it's not just in our daily rhythms. But this is incredible when you start researching this stuff about rhythms in our bodies that God has created. According to um, doctors, I don't know, uh, just doctors in general, right? Um, There are rhythms of renewal in our physical DNA, in our cellular structure. We as bodies, as embodied beings, are renewed. This is incredible to me. Our cells renew themselves. They are renewed. So your skin, your skin, your largest organ on your body is renewed every two to four weeks. Now, I could get into some really, really heady, crazy theology about this. Like, this is me, but this is not me. This is the new me, but I'm still me, right? I'm not going to go there. But I just want to talk about that our bodies are renewed. Our skin is renewed every two to four weeks. Our cellular structure, it's built into our DNA to do this. Our hair on our body every three to six years is completely renewed. Right? Our liver, every 150 to 500 days, it's completely renewed. Our stomach and GI tract, because it's so acidic, is renewed every five days. The cells, they're new. They're new, but they're still our cells, right? They're still us, because our DNA still has that in us. And our bones, on average, every 10 years are renewed. The cells in our bones. Isn't that incredible? Our bodies were set up to renew in a rhythmic pattern, And yet me, I'm sitting here thinking, and a lot of us probably do, that no, no, everything's supposed to happen spontaneously, right? That's how change comes. I'm like, no, that's not how God has designed this. So beyond creation, beyond the physical world, God has also ordained rhythms of renewal for his people. I'm going to start at the beginning again, and I'm going to start with Sabbath, right? Sabbath is a rhythm of renewal that God establishes in Genesis 2, Uh, So Genesis 2, 2 through 3, says this, On the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So at the very beginning, God is already setting up patterns of renewal for his people, not just daily renewal, but now weekly. Amazing. Uh, In Exodus 20, uh, verse 8, this is now memorialized in the Ten Commandments. Remember, it says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. We are commanded to have the rhythm of rest. Now, uh, it's not just about rest. This is incredible to me. In Exodus 31, 12, it says this, And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you should keep my Sabbaths. Plural. We'll talk about that in a second. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. We are to keep the Sabbath not just for our rest and to recover from a week of work, but to remember that the Lord is the one that sanctifies us. We are a fickle and forgetful people, aren't we? But the Lord has already set up a rhythm for us to remember who he is and what he has done for us, that he sanctifies us, that we do not sanctify us, that he does. He set up a rhythm for that. In me, I bristle against rhythms, right? 
So let's go back to the term Sabbath. Uh, and um, it talks about Sabbath. You know, there's actually more Sabbath than just the weekly Sabbath. There's yearly Sabbath. Uh, in Leviticus 25, there are two Sabbaths set up. There's a Sabbath year. It says, uh, and during the Sabbath year, Israelites were to forgive debts and allow the land to remain fallow. Now, this was supposed to happen every seven years. Every seven years, God had commanded Israel to not farm the land. Let it rest. Let that land renew. Oh, also, forgive debts. Let's start fresh again, right? Why were they forgiving debts? The debt forgiveness was supposed to be in remembrance of their deliverance from Egypt because they're forgetful people. So now I'm going to give you this tangible thing to do every seven years. Don't farm the land. Rest in me and forgive debts to remember what I've done for you. Incredible, right? He sets this up in his law. Now, you also had the thing called the year of Jubilee, which the year of Jubilee is fascinating to me. It's fascinating to me. So, seven times seven is 49, right? Any math, math experts? Okay, a few. Okay. Connor, you're saying no. Okay. Is that Connor back there? No, that's Luke, right? I can't see. These lights are so bright. Anyway, year of Jubilee. During this year, the 50th year after 49 years, so the seventh Sabbath year of Sabbath years, economic debts were to be forgiven. Land was to be restored to families who sold it to repay debts. And then people that sold themselves into slavery to repay debts were to be forgiven and liberated. What kind of rhythm is that? Let the land lay fallow. Trust in your God for your deliverance and your, and your food. And then let all the slaves go free every 49 years, every 50 years. That's an incredible rhythm of renewal. I did a little research on this on modern-day Israel, and you know, three to five percent of Israel farmland right now, every seven years, they let go fallow. They're still doing this in a very small number, but some people are still practicing this. It's incredible, right? Um, amazing that this was set up for us. Beyond the Sabbath, the Lord also instituted feasts, right? Rhythms for us to remember and hope in God. And I'm not going to go through every single feast in the Bible and try to explain it. I'm just going to go through the Mosaic feast first. But the purpose of these feasts were incredible. The feasts and festivals of the ancient world in Israel were celebrations of divine provision and protection. Each major Israelite feast recognized a specific aspect of God's saving work. First, you had feasts of the Passover and Feast of Unleavened Bread, right? That served a reminder of God's rescue of his people from Egypt. Every year, every year, we have Passover. Why? Why? Not just so we can get together and eat a bunch of unleavened bread, right? No, so that we can remember our deliverance from Egypt. We have the Feast of Weeks that happens seven weeks after Passover. It's celebrated for the renewal of the covenant, right? For the renewal of the covenant. We're renewing, we're remembering the covenant that God has made with us, Israel. You have the Feast of Trumpets, which is called for repentance. You have the Day of Atonement, which is during this time period, it's the time the chief priest can approach the mercy seat and make atonement for the entire nation of Israel. A time of renewal for the entire nation on one day in a feast. And then you had the Feast of Booths, which is remembering the time that they were delivered from Egypt and lived in tents. So you had all these feasts every year in this rhythm. Why? 
so that we've been renewed in our thinking, remembering what God has done and where our hope lies. Amazing to us. And the feasts don't end with the Old Testament. Right? There's more in the Old Testament, but that's just the Mosaic ones. But in the New Testament, we have a feast. We're about to do it today. It's called communion. Right? Why do we take communion every week? Right? Matthew 26, 26 through 29 says this. Now, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. In Luke twenty two nineteen through 20, which is another way to see this story that Luke wrote down, it says, And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. We take communion every week at this church to remember what Jesus has done for us. Why? Because we are forgetful people, right? Do you guys remember what Jesus did for you on Thursday? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe you're just wrapped up in the world, but you come here, we're going to remember together in community. It's another feast. It's a rhythm of renewal for you, for me, for our church. It's amazing, right? Thank God he set this up. Thank God he set this up. Beyond creation and beyond these physical uh, types of manifestations of renewal, God has also ordained rhythms of renewal for our hope and transformation in us. Probably one of my favorite verses, and this this verse is really what kicked off me thinking about this a lot over the past few months, uh, is Lamentations 3, 19 through 24, this whole paragraph. In this, Jeremiah is uh, lamenting, right? It's lamentations. He goes, remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I'll hope in him. I love this verse. Why? The Lord renews my soul every morning. If you're in Jesus, his mercies are new for you every morning. You woke up this morning, guess what? His mercies were new. Guess what? You woke up yesterday morning, his mercies were new. Guess what? Tomorrow morning, his mercies are new. I don't care what happens during the day. I do, but I don't. Because when I wake up, his mercies are new. I am in Jesus, right? I have confidence that God is faithful. Anything I do during the day will not thwart his faithfulness. His mercies are still new every morning. Even when I feel like I'm afflicted and I'm wandering and just like gall acid in my mouth, right? His mercies are new Every morning is beautiful. It's a rhythm of renewal that happens 365 days a year from the beginning of eternity until the end of eternity. Amazing. Amazing. I follow that up with Psalm 51, 10 through 12, where David, um, he says the same thing, right? Create me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. That happens every morning for you. Every morning. From the Old Testament, we come to the new, right? The Holy Spirit 
is actually wanting to work with you right now inside of you to renew you. Right? This is the great verse from Paul that we like to talk about all the time. I, I, I grew up in student ministry, and we talk about this verse a lot in student ministry. And it's Romans 12 too, right? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Paul continues this idea in Ephesians 4.23, where he says, To be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. How do we be transformed? How are we transformed as believers in Jesus? Is it by spontaneous combustion of thought? No, right? It's by the renewal of our mind. It's constant. It's renewal. It's it's every day seeking the Lord and the Holy Spirit and letting him work in us. That is how we transform. That is how we transform. John Piper, in his uh, 2004 sermon called The Renewed Mind and How to Have It, um, is preaching on Romans 12 too. And he says this, he goes, in this work, right, in this mysterious work, we join the Holy Spirit in his precious and all-important work. We pursue Christ-exalting truth and we pray for truth-embracing humility. How do we do that? Well, listen to rich expositions of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Read your Bible from cover to cover, always in search of the revelation of the glory of Christ. Read and ponder the Bible-saturated, Christ-exalting writings of great spiritual men and women and form the habit of meditating on the perfections of Christ. And in it all, pray, pray, pray that the Holy Spirit will renew your mind, that you may desire and approve the will of God so that all of life will become worship to the glory of Christ." This is an amazing rhythm that we can tap into every day, every week, every quarter, right? It's not a one-time spontaneous event, right? The gospel-saturated life, our lives are rhythms of renewal, right? To every morning realize God's mercies are new for us. And every day realize we have the potential to transform through the renewal of our mind through the Holy Spirit. That's amazing power, I would rather have that all day long than Tony Robbins telling me just to try to do something in hopes that spontaneously my life is going to change. I'm not the author of my life. We sang about it earlier, or we confessed it earlier. Jesus is the author of my life. He knows what's best for me. He knows how to transform me. He knows how to renew my heart. I'm going to tap into that. So how does this relate to New Year's resolutions? I'm going I'm to finish up talking about New Year's resolutions. Well, my faulty thinking on New Year's resolutions was this man-made Gregorian or Julian calendar, whatever calendar, solar calendar that we just made up years ago has told me on January 1st I'm supposed to come out and resolve to be better, right? That is useless. No, it's not, right? God has put the sun and the moon and the stars in the sky, to be signs for seasons, right? Well, January 1st is a marker. It's a time that we can take to look back, remember what God has done in our lives over the past 12 months, and to look forward at what God may do in us for the next 12 after. So my exhortation to us is that we would use New Year's resolutions not to say, I need to look better, right? I need to go work out more because that's going to fail, we know, right? Uh, Or... I need to read my Bible more. Well, yeah, that's a good thing. You should probably do that, but please do that in community and have accountability with that. Um, But what I think we should really do is use this as an opportunity to engage. Take 30 minutes. 
If you haven't done it yet this year, we're nine days in. You still have a chance, okay? And so before the January is over, I'm going to still call that New Year's, right? Because as long as we're still writing 2021 on things instead of 2022, you can call it New Year's. Um, which is going to take me like six months. Um, but similar to the Feast of the Old Testament, use the new year as a natural time every year to look back at what God has done. This will give you a foundation of assurance and confidence that God works. Right? Do you guys do that? Do we, do we take a step back for a second and evaluate what God's done in our life? Or we just keep on just waiting for God just to reveal himself spontaneously? Right? And be like, oh yeah, that's what you did. And then prayerfully look forward at what God wants to do in you and through you this next year. Engage with God in a rhythm that is for the renewal of your mind, just as Paul exhorts us in 12.2. This could be in a few ways, right? Uh, anybody follow John Mark Comer? Um, he has, he's kind of reinvigorated this idea of the rule of life. Now, he didn't come up with rule of life. It was from a while back, from some Benedictine months, monks, but... Um, he talks about the rule of life, and he gets... I have problems with these things because, again, I'm still coming over my hangover of thinking that authenticity comes from spontaneity, uh, and I generally don't like to pay people to tell me what to do. But he was like, hey, you need to come up with a daily routine, a weekly routine, a monthly routine, a quarterly routine, and a yearly routine. And I'm just like, whoa, that's too much, right? Let me just start easy. So let's go with daily routine. But find some routine, some rhythm you could tap into with God. Maybe a simple application is for you to daily wake up thanking God for his new mercies that morning. Instead of reaching for this guy, right? We know these exist. We're not going to act like they don't. Instead of reaching for your phone, why don't you roll out of bed and just say, God, thank you so much. Your mercies are new this morning. I believe that your scripture says that it's true. How do you want to use me today? Uh, Back when I was in college, I was a stumo kid. And, sorry, I shouldn't say kid. Uh, I was a Stumo uh, student, and we, Sean Vollendorf was on staff back then. He said every morning in the shower, he would consecrate himself to the Lord. He just put his hands out. I was like, Lord, I consecrate myself to you today. How do you want to use me? It's simple, simple, right? So maybe something like that. Maybe another simple application is to engage in Scripture in community, Right? And this is something that we started this year, uh, a few guys in my D group, to keep ourselves accountable to each other, is we're going through a yearly Bible plan. And we're leveraging technology to help us in that through the Bible app. And now we can see when each other reads. And I'll tell you, we're going strong on nine days, right? I have, I have great hope for the future. I really do. <laughs> I really do. But maybe it's something as simple as that. Or maybe it's something else, Right? Maybe it's something that the Lord wants to do in you and speak to you. Maybe it's getting away every month for two hours. Or maybe taking a lunch hour every month and saying, I'm gonna, instead of eating lunch at my desk in my office or wherever, I'm going to go out to Lake Thunderbird, park my car with a bag, a sack lunch, and just try to connect the Lord with the Lord alone. Right? Maybe it's something like that. Find some rhythm where you're allowing the Holy Spirit to come into your life Right? But it's not going to happen spontaneously. It's not going to happen accidentally. Right? It might. Don't get me wrong. Right? Don't get me wrong. It might. But from the whole of Scripture, what I'm telling you is God has set up rhythms. Let's tap into them. Okay? All right, church. I love you. Um, let's pray, and then we're going to enter into a time of communion. Uh, Father God, Lord, we love you so much. God, you are so good to us. Your mercies are new to us every morning. Lord, God, your faithfulness to us is unchanging. It never ends. Lord, I pray that you would renew us as a body of believers. 
Renew us in our hearts and our minds. Transform us by the renewal of our minds in your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you to do that. Lord, I pray that we would take moments this week, maybe even today, to reflect on what you've done with us over the past 365 days and to uh, prayerfully consider what you want to do in us and through us this next year. Or as we enter into a time of communion, I, think we, I pray that we would take this feast together, knowing that this is a feast that you set up for our, to us to remember what you did for us. We praise your name for that. We praise your name for Jesus, through who we have adoptions as sons and daughters into your kingdom so that we can be under your mercies every morning. We praise you. Lord, we love you. Amen.